I'd like to welcome all of you to Sunday service at Ananda Village in the Temple of Light. I am Nayaswami Parvati, this is Nayaswami Pranaba, and joining us today as our speaker is an Ananda minister, Sundara. I'd like to read first from Rays of the One Light. And we're very happy to have you all here. It's such a blessing to be able to offer this Sunday service each week to everyone. Ego, friend, or foe, truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ begins his Beatitudes with the words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit in such a way as to merit the kingdom of heaven doesn't mean to be poor-spirited. Rather, it means to see oneself as owning nothing since all belongs to God. For all is a manifestation of his consciousness. Saint John of the Cross wrote, if you would own everything, seek to own nothing. That which the ego relinquishes, offering it up to soul consciousness, is reclaimed forever in cosmic consciousness. Nothing is ever lost. Paramhansa Yogananda tells the story in Autobiography of a Yogi of the levitating saint Baduri Mahashai. Master, said a disciple of this saint once ardently, you are wonderful. You have renounced riches and comforts to seek God and teach us wisdom. It was well known that Baduri Mahashai had forsaken great family wealth in his early childhood when single-mindedly he entered the yogic path. You are reversing the case the saint's face held mild rebuke. I have left a few paltry rupees, a few petty pleasures, for a cosmic empire of endless bliss. How then have I denied myself anything? I know the joy of sharing, sharing the treasure. Is that a sacrifice? The short-sighted worldly folk are verily the real renunciates. They relinquish an unparalleled divine possession for a poor handful of earthly toys. The Bhagavad Gita in the third chapter states, All things are everywhere by nature wrought in interaction of the qualities. The fool cheated by self thinks, This I did and that I wrought. But ah, thou strong-armed prince, a better-lessened mind, knowing the play of visible things within the world of sense and how the qualities must qualify, standeth aloof even from his acts. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. 
Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity. Make us transparent that thy light may shine through us unimpeded. The sunbeams of thy love shine equally on all the members of thy cosmic family, whether prophet, hero, villain, tiny moth, or me. It is our own fault if we make ourselves opaque by our own mental and emotional dullness. Teach us to wipe away the dirt of air from the windows of our understanding. Our arms are weak for the task, owing to our long inner spiritual resistance. O Master Cleanser, lend power to our efforts that we may wipe away every last spot that clings to our minds, obscuring our transparency and preventing free entry into thy light. Oh, make us fully clean again, invisible in our egos, because transmitting only visions of thy beauty, which lies within us. It is our egos that prevent us from seeing our true inner beauty. There's a story that takes place in Thailand. It was the early 1800s, and the king of Thailand had recently uh, asked that the various statues of the Buddha that had been in ruinous temples throughout Thailand be moved to Bangkok. Bangkok had recently been uh, named as the new uh, capital of Thailand, and he needed um, statues to, to fill the new temples that were being built. So there's this one statue of the Buddha. It was 10 feet tall. It was covered in stucco and these little pieces of colored glass. And this statue was moved to, to Bangkok. It wasn't seen as particularly an important statue, but you know, it was still a sacred image of the Buddha. So it was moved from kind of from uh, monastery to monastery. At one point, it was actually uh, even just placed in storage under a tin roof for 20 years. But it wasn't until the uh, mid-1950s when the statue was once again being moved that uh, as it was kind of being lifted and put into place, it fell and it cracked. And so as the story goes, they kind of place it back on the ground. It was raining outside. They covered it in a tarp. And that night, one of the monks went to check on it. He lifts the tarp, he shines a light on it, and with, where that crack was, he sees something shimmering. Eventually, they take away all the stucco. Turns out that that image of the Buddha was made of solid gold. And for, as, as the story goes, hundreds of years earlier, when the Burmese were coming and invading Thailand, which was known as uh, Siam at the time, the monks at this particular monastery wanted to protect this gold image of the Buddha. And so they covered it in stucco and pieces of glass. And its glory had remained hidden for hundreds of years. So it is too with us. We don't concentrate on the gold of our soul, most of us. But our concentration is on our egos, our greatness, our weakness, 
our accomplishments, the times when we fail again and again. But as Master said, to master our egos, we must learn self-control. Only then will life be glorified by bliss while still in the flesh. Imagine that prospect. Isn't that what we're looking for? For our lives to be filled with that, that bliss while still in the flesh, not something that we have to wait for until after we pass from this earthly realm, but it can be with us now. But how do we really know if we're acting from a place of, of ego or not? Because sometimes it's hard to know, right? Most people even watching this, watching Sunday service, probably, you know, we don't, we're humble people. We're not trying to think of ourselves as having a big ego or stuff or anything like that, but it it's, can be subtle. And there's a sacred space between our thoughts of our own greatness and our own weakness. And in that space between, there is, that is the mind of the yogi, ever calm, ever watchful, offering everything up to God and seeing, the God, seeing God as the doer in all that we do. Yogananda, in his early lessons, he gives us kind of these comparisons of kind of egotism versus humbleness. And um, he said, we need to determine what throne of consciousness our mind is, is predominant in our mind. Because as I said, how do we know if we're coming from a place of ego or not? Because it's so subtle. And you know, we, we think, we, well, I believe in this, therefore it must be true, or I feel this deeply, therefore it's right. But what place, where is it coming, what's predominant in our mind? And Yogananda, he gives, he gives these comparisons, as he often does, and it's so beautiful, almost as if to say, if you're coming from ego, it's gonna look like this. If it's coming from humbleness, it's gonna look like this. So these are something that we can kind of take in our own consciousness as we go throughout our daily life and kind of look and see what places are coming from. So one of them is, he gives many of them. One of them is, egotism refuses to investigate truth, where humbleness is always ready to learn. When I look at this, when I thought of this, the first thing that came to my mind is American politics. We look at the other side and maybe we don't even take anything they say that must be true because it's the other side. But truth is always looking to investigate, is always looking to be ready to be open to truth wherever it may be found. Egotism reveals its smallness by trying to make others feel small, whereas humbleness sets an example for others to follow. In the northwestern frontier of India, there was a group called the Pathans. These were Muslims. These were warriors. These were fighters. They are known for uh, resisting invaders coming into their territory. So when the British came, there was conflict. This part of India, there was a lot of violence. And at one point, the leader of the Pathans, a man named uh, Abdul Ghaffar Khan, he invited Gandhi to come to this area. People at the time were afraid for Gandhi, you know, because of, you know, this area was always kind of about to explode in violence, and it had at times. So Gandhi, he goes to this area. He goes to speak to these various groups of Pathans, and many of them, you know, had their guns slung over their shoulders. And he said very quietly, what are you afraid of? Why are you carrying guns? 
He said, I have taught myself not to be afraid of anything. That's why I am, I am unarmed. And it completely stunned this, the people. And they dropped their arms and they fond, f followed Gandhi's way of nonviolence. This was one of the, the largest groups um, in the nonviolence movement, somewhere around 80,000 people. Our example was powerful. It's much more powerful than our words. As it says in this example, egotism reveals its smallness by trying to make others feel small. Whereas humbleness sets an example. Gandhi's example was so powerful, wasn't it? Sri Yukteswar said, we cut off other people's heads so that we ourselves appeal taller. But example is much more powerful than any words that we could ever, ever give. Egotism has plenty of time to speak to others of his greatness because he is not performing great deeds. Whereas the humble man is so busy doing big things that he has no time to speak of his greatness. When I read this, the first person I thought of was Luther Burbank, the horticulturalist. You know, he came up with something like 800 different varieties of plants that he kind of produced, plants and fruits and trees that he produced. In 1893, when he was, um, he created a catalog that had 100 different new varieties of plants and flowers. And at the time, people, um, horticulturalists in America and Europe, they thought it was a hoax. What one man can produce so much? But as Yogananda said, here is a man in whom there is no guile. His heart with, was fathomlessly deep, long equated with humility, patience, and sacrifice. His little home amidst the roses was austerely simple. He knew the worthlessness of luxury, the joy of few possessions. The modesty with which he wore his scientific fame repeatedly reminded me of the tree, the trees that bend low with the burden of ripening fruits. It is the barren tree that lifts its head high in an empty boast. This was Luther Burbank. I keep coming back in my consciousness all, again and again. Here's the autobiography of Yogi. One of the greatest, best known autobiographies of any subject of all time. And Yogananda dedicates it to Luther Burbank, an American saint, almost as if to say, here is an ideal that we can live towards. And I don't think it was just because of his scientific accomplishments, which were great, because it was because of his inner accomplishments, of renouncing his ego, of that humbleness, of his sacrifice, of his simplicity. Because it's in those qualities that our soul becomes revealed and discovered, and we are able to reach our higher potential. All the things that Luther Burbank was able to do, I'm sure was because of his humbleness and then the power of God giving him the inspiration for what he was able to do. So how do we really start to, you know, shift our consciousness once we become aware of, if it's coming from a place of more ego or being, shifting it to more of a place of humbleness and, you know, kind of seeing God as a doer. And one of the things that Yoganandaji said is that a superior, superiority and inferiority are caused by imagination. Isn't that interesting? Let's, let's, give, let's look at an example. 
somebody compliments you on your hair, and you say, thank you very much, and you go home and you look in the mirror, and you say, wow, I kind of do really look like, you know, Angelina Jolie, or kind of do look like Brad Pitt, and you kind of balloon it out, and your imagination keeps going, and you start getting a, a greater sense of self in that way, right? Or maybe somebody at work says, you know, you really blew it. And you start imagining, wow, if I blew it, what happens if I blew it again? And then what happens if I lose my job and I can't pay my bills? And you keep thinking and you keep getting down and down on yourself. Imagination. We need to stop our imagination. We need to stop energizing our imagination and just constantly offer everything up to God. There was this one time that I remember when I was in high school. It's right when I was found Paramahansa Yogananda's autobiography of yogi. I was 17 years old, and I started studying other Eastern spiritual traditions. And I, I was brought up Catholic, and as I started studying these traditions, I kept in my mind imagining the time when there was going to be a conflict with my parents. And I kept creating this drama in my mind. And it just kind of, I kept arguing with them, my point of view, you know, how wrong they were. This is all in my mind. I was just kept imagining it. Until one day my parents asked me if I was going to church with them. And I said no. And I told them why. And I'll never forget the emotion that I spoke with, the disharmony that I created, not just in myself, but within my parents, even to making my mom cry. They might not even remember this situation, but I, I definitely do. And how different that would have been if I didn't let my imagination run wild, if I would have approached that whole situation with gratefulness, a sense of gratitude to my parents for the love and kindness that they showed me because of their faith, you know, how good it would have made them feel, um, the calmness, if I was able to approach this situation with a, a calm attitude, you know, calmness, maybe my parents would have been able to see my point of view if I wasn't kind of reactive and emotional in the way I was presenting it. Yoganandaji said that calmness gives the devotee the power to overcome all obstacles in life. The person that can remain calm under all circumstances is invincible. Calmness, emotion is of the ego. Calmness is of the soul. Calmness reveals the soul. Which one of our techniques on the path of self-realization really help us directly to feel this calmness? And that's Hong Sa, watching the breath. It's very simple, all you do is watch the breath. You don't have to be in meditation to watch the breath. You can be watching the breath right now. Just as you watch somebody else breathe, just watch your breath go in and out naturally without controlling it. The yogis have found that as you watch the breath, the breath slows down. As the breath slows down, the mind becomes calmer, and we get glimpses of our true soul nature. But how do we, you know, it's very difficult when we're in the heat of the moment to be calm, even when we do practice, try and practice calmness throughout the day. Because, you know, karma can just hit, you know, our emotions can sometimes get the best of us. But one of the things that we can also do is constantly offer everything up to God. When people would praise Yogananda, he would just lift his hand and his finger as if to say, you know, 
The power, the true power comes from God. Swami Kriyananda said that our job is to perfect ourselves by divine power, not by ego power. Christ, or in the Bible too, it says that be ye therefore perfect, even as the Father in heaven is perfect. This perfection, we can't do it on our, by ourselves. We can't just do it with our limited ego personalities and capabilities, no matter how great we think we are. We need the help of God. We need the help of others who are channels for that divine. A friend of mine told me this story several years ago. About 15 or 20 years ago, he attended the Self-Realization Fellowship Convocation. And I think he was going back, he was taking the bus after one of the classes back to his hotel. He asked the bus driver how he was doing. And the bus driver said, this is my favorite time of the year. This man was not a devotee of Yogananda. He said, this is my favorite type of time of the year because of seeing all these loving and joyful people. That love and joy, that is our responsibility as, dev- as devotees to be channels of these teachings. You know, self teachings of self-realization are powerful on paper, but they become living when, those, when that, the, the words of that paper become like, you know, three-dimensional, and they, become, they became lived through us as those channels. And so that is what we are called to do, to be channels so that, you know, we all need the, those examples of what the teachings mean, of how to uh, transcend our ego in the right way and you have the right attitude. One time, Swami Kriyananda, this was in 1968, and he was, it was nine o'clock in the morning. In a couple hours, he was about to give the Sunday service. And all of a sudden, he had a kidney stone attack. And somebody once said that, uh, a woman who was giving birth said that, um, also, who also had a kidney stone attack said, between, if you were to compare the pain of giving birth and a kidney stone attack, it's much, a kidney stone attack is much worse. So here's Swami Kriyananda. He's having this intense pain, and he always had this rule that he will never pray for himself. So half an hour passes, the pain is intense. An hour, an hour and a half passes, an hour and 45 minutes passes, and you know, he looks at his watch. It's 15 minutes before He's supposed to give Sunday service. He's not praying for himself. But he says to the Divine Mother, Divine Mother, if you want me to give this service, then you're going to have to take away this pain. And he said, as quickly as you can just move your hand across your body, the pain went away. And the intensity of pain was overcome with an intensity of bliss. Bliss that he was just able to give and keep throughout that service. You know, again, as I said earlier, as Master said, when we can learn self-control, life will become glorified by bliss while we're still in the flesh. Imagine that feeling of being glorified by bliss. Focus on that feeling. Let that feeling drown out any other thoughts of your own greatness, your own sense of, you know, how many mistakes you've made, even 20 years ago. You know, this is a path that doesn't focus on our sinfulness. That's why Yogananda Ji said again and again, never call yourself a sinner. That is one of the greatest sins because we desecrate the image of God in which we are made. 
Now, is this to say we don't err? Of course we make mistakes. As long as we're bound by ego conscience, so we're gonna make the mistakes again and again. But it doesn't do us any good to constantly affirm our mistakes. And it doesn't do us any good to constantly affirm other people's mistakes that they've made. We gotta just forget about it and realize that underneath all of our mistakes, all of our apparent great accomplishments, apparent weaknesses, there is the power of God. Yoganandaji said that just as Jesus could keep his love while being crucified and say, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He said, we too must forgive our own trials, our own mistakes. He said that we must affirm, resurrect, my soul was resurrected, my power is greater than all my trials because I am a child of God. Close your eyes and say this with me. My soul is resurrected, my power is greater than all my trials because I am a child of God. Say it with deeper feeling. My soul is resurrected. My power is greater than all my trials because I am a child of God. My soul is resurrected. My power is greater than all my trials because I am a child of God. My soul is resurrected. My power is greater than all my trials because I am a child of God. Constantly, we need to give ourselves up to God. Anything that we want to accomplish, we need to ask for help from the one who can truly do great things through us. As we look in this world, and we look at least on American television, and we see all of the division that's happening, we need examples in this world of people who are acting Gandhi-like in the sense of having no fear, holding their own inner center of God's peace, of God's calmness, of God's wisdom in their heart. Because as he said, we must be the change that we want to see in this world. And that change cannot come, as Swami Kriyananda said, from our own egos. It can only come from divine power. God bless you. Oh.
Souls call. 